I really appreciate that. Do you, do you hear that? Do you hear that line there? Lord, I, I wrote this down at the top of the notes. I said, boy, this, this just pretty well sums it up, doesn't it? Lord, keep me in your will so I won't be in your way. That's powerful. Lord Jesus, um, help us to once again be, be confronted and changed and built up and encouraged. Um, Lord, your will is what we want more than anything else. We don't want our way today. We don't want to get in the way of anything that you want to say to your church. Lord, I, re I remember a couple weeks ago and talking about Paul and Paul saying, I, I come in weakness and fear and trembling. I guess I've just been reminded again this morning that more than anything else, we, j we just need to hear from you what you want to say and Lord you know what's been prepared this week thank you for the music of the church that leads our hearts close to you today thank you for the beautiful spirit and sense of worship that we have in this place and I'm just asking Lord that you would keep us in your will so we won't be in your way Lord, may it be so. In these next few moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know why I'm back today, don't you? You know why I'm back? Um, I had to come back and get my shoes. Uh, does, any, does anybody have my shoes out there? Anybody? Oh, oh, you have them? Okay. <laughs> Our church administrator has them, so I, I appreciate that. We were talking about being helpful last night. That's being very helpful. I'll have, I'll, I'll have shoes to mow with. Hey, it's going to be in the 50s today. Isn't that great? Wow, I love it. Right now in Westerville, it's 40 degrees, so it's looking pretty good there too. So we'll, we'll see. I have a feeling Parkersburg may be a little, a little warmer than, than Westerville. But so good to be back with you. Carol, Carol's not with me, so I'm sorry. Uh, she's, she's not here today. She had a previously, don't you just love this? She had a previously planned trip to Florida with her sisters to get out and, and see her brother. How convenient of her. But she will be, Lord willing, she'll be back with, with me next, next weekend. And then I can feel really complete. But I, I'm glad for the chance to be with you here today. And I, I would just like for you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Now you know that we are um, on a walk together, right? And specifically during these coming weeks, we're on a walk together toward the cross and Easter. This is what they call the Lenten season. This is the first Sunday of Lent, and, and basically it's a walk that the church takes together, and we consider what God wants to say to us as we approach the cross and as we approach uh, Resurrection Sunday. So it's really good. This can be a very special time of year. I think it'd be a time of revival in the life of the church as we look at all of these themes together in the coming weeks. But Mark chapter 1 
verses 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Can you imagine how reassuring that must have been? At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. One of the awkward things about coming, and I, and I thought about this again this morning. I said, so many people, so many names. So I, I feel like in one fell swoop here this morning, I think I can... I can resolve this big issue in my life right now. I don't know your names nearly as well as I should. And so what I'm going to do is give you a chance to introduce yourself to me here this morning. And so what I'd like to do is take these two sections and on my signal when I count one, two, three, everybody tell me your name all at the same time, okay? One, two, three. I think I got it. One, two, three. I think I got it. One, two, three. All right. You're just giving me first names, right? You're not trying last names. Here we go. Now the pressure's on. One, two, three. You know, I think if I have everybody do it all at, at, at the same time, okay, from here all the way over to here. One, two, three. I got it. I got it. We, we've got it resolved. Well, please, please excuse me if it, if it takes a while. That, that's, just, that's just kind of the way it works in, in humanity, doesn't it? But what I'm talking to you about today is, do you know who you really are? And, and, and it's more than just a name, but I, I want to talk to you a little bit about a state of being here this morning. What we have here is a direct address from heaven to earth. What, what a timely reminder for Jesus, who really was deity, obviously. He is a part of the Godhead, deity, but he's wrapped here in human flesh. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Our Lord entered his earthly ministry knowing who he was. His heavenly Father wanted to make sure just at the right time, Son, understand, you're my Son. You're a part of who I am. He was God's Son, loved and endorsed by His Father in heaven. But I want to ask you a question this morning, and I'm asking myself, do you really know who you are? In your, in your bulletin, if I can find my bulletin here, there is a piece of scrap paper in your bulletin if you would just pull that out and if somebody next to you did not get a bulletin would you just tear that piece of scrap paper in half and give them give them your other half if you would everybody has a I got a pink piece of paper and I think there's all kinds of colors and sizes in there I didn't want to break the church budget for what I'm about to do here today but here it is yeah 
we, we, got a, we got all kinds of sizes and looks like, looks like mostly pink here. And what I want you to do is take this piece of paper and I want you to tear it. See if I can hear the sound of tearing, ripping. All There we go. There we go. Now what I want you to... Boy, listen to that. That's, that's, that, that's, that's like a choir here this morning. Well, ho- hold those in your hand. Did, did you hear the sound of that ripping, that tearing? Well, what we really have here in this passage of Scripture is it was a tear. It was, it, somebody described it as heaven being ripped open, the skies being torn apart, and somehow that vast expanse between the throne room of heaven and earth just kind of got a little closer. And then we hear that voice. Jesus hears that reassuring voice from his Father in heaven, you are my son. You see, that was a good thing because this confirmation was about to turn into the confrontation. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert. And you remember for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. Now, if you go over to Matthew and Luke's accounts, you'll find a much more detailed account. But here's how basically it went. You remember, and isn't it interesting that Satan tempted Jesus right at the point of his identity? If he, says, he said this, he said, If you are the Son of God... If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Somebody was sharing with me a couple weeks ago their memory of standing here with the stonemason a number of years ago and handing these stones to the mason as they were hooking them up here behind the platform. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And then that fallen angel took Jesus up to a high place at the top of the temple. He took him up high and he said, If you are the Son of God, why don't you throw yourself down off of here? Because the scripture says that he will command his angels regarding you. And then you remember he also took him up on a high mountain and he said, Look at all of these nations. Look at all of these countries in the world. And he said, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you rulership over all of these nations. What was going on here? Satan was using the word of God. It was like a battle of the word of God. And Satan was taking everything out of context. And Jesus looked right back at him and he said, remember, he went back into Deuteronomy and he said these words. He said, he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then he responded to Satan by saying, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, from Deuteronomy. And then also from Deuteronomy, he said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What we see in this passage of Scripture, it seems like what Satan was doing and what Jesus was doing, he was taking it right back at Satan and saying, Satan, you are right. I am the Son of God. I've just been reassured of that. And he was throwing it right back in Satan's face. I want to ask you something today. You ever been tempted? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You know, it does my heart a lot of good to realize that even the beloved Son of God himself faced temptation and he came out victoriously. 
No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Can you picture Jesus in that barren wilderness? He's wasted. Everything is happening. And Satan is coming after him. But somehow he had the strength. He did not bow down and worship Satan. This was a battle fought with Scripture and the deceiver used it on him but Jesus came right back and he was victorious and I've got good news for you today just because he was we can be as well say amen to that amen I, I saw these words from a fellow seminary student you know it's really true settling our identity is key to getting victory over temptation we, we need to remember who we are in the sight of God. I was reminded of this in a, a, a classmate from seminary. Listen to these words. As a teenager, when I was getting ready to go out with my friends, my dad had the wisdom to move deeper than trying to remind me of how to act or give me a list of do's and don'ts. He simply said to me, Son, remember who you are. Remember who you are. He goes on, he writes, After my dad said those words, I went out to be with my friends, very few of whom professed to be Christians. Sometimes I found myself in situations where I knew I should not be. I was faced with choices and pressures to do things and act in ways that I knew were not consistent with life in Christ. I struggled with those choices. I wanted to be fit in and be a part of a group as much as anyone else. The temptation to throw my values to the wind was strong and real. If in those moments all I had had been given was a list of rules, it would have been easy to rationalize losing the list. I lost the list here somewhere. Think about it. Thankfully, I had been given much more than that. I carried with me into those situations an identity, an image of faithfulness rooted in Christ and modeled for me by my parents. Consequently, in the heat of a moment of decision, I did not have to say, oh, wait a minute, let me check my list. That likely would have never happened. No, my father didn't just give me a list. He gave me his heart. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. It's testimony time here this morning. My name is Larry Hall. And guess what, friends? By God's grace, I know who I am today. Who am I? I'm a beloved child of God redeemed by grace. Isn't that great? You talk about a realization that gets you through life. You talk about something that will get you through the hard times. I am a beloved child of God, redeemed by His grace. This realization can see us through. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if, if you don't know this reality, if you don't know who you can really be in Jesus Christ, I want you to know you can also be a child of the King. 
You don't have to walk out of here lost. You don't have to walk out of here confused about who you are. Well, you know, when I'm with the crowd, I'm one way. And when I'm with the church group, I'm one way. And when I'm with my parents, I'm one way. No, no, no. He wants us to be a lot more genuine than that, redeemed by his grace. You see, Jesus came to preach it. We see it here in this passage. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Do you realize the good news of that? The kingdom of God is near. Heaven has been torn open. I'm here to help you. The kingdom of God is near. And repent and believe the good news. It's one of the main themes of our walk together these coming weeks. Think about it. Repent. You've heard the definition over the years. Change your mind. I like that definition. I change my mind. I turn from sin and I pursue after the Savior. Anything short of this and we live in total confusion. Oh, we think we know who we are, but do we really? We think we believe, but do we believe? I had I did a great job this week. Somebody did a great job for me this week. Made up a poster. Do you believe? I just kind of prayed it here in front of you here this morning. And I asked you this question. Do you believe? Now, I wonder what would happen if this afternoon I'd, I'd stick this thing on a pole or something like that, and I would go out here to Broadway, and I'd walk up and down Broadway, asking anybody I run into, hey, do you believe? Do you believe? Well, a lot of people would say, believe in what? I'd say, do you believe in Jesus? And I have a feeling that a lot of people would say, yeah, I do. And, and, and my next question would be, do you really believe in Jesus? Uh, Carol, Carol and I, we like to go to McDonald's every once in a while. You know, they got those $1 for every size soft drink that you could get. And so you pull in and you say, I'd like to have a couple of large Diet Cokes. And out they come. And $2.15 later, you own them. What if, what if I went up to the window there at McDonald's today and I just pulled this thing out and right there. Do you believe what would the response be besides, this guy's a nut? But what would the response be? Do you believe? You know, one of the easiest things to do is just kind of glibly say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I believe he came, and, and uh, I even believe all those stories about how he died for sin and all of those kind of things. But do you notice what it says here? Do you really believe? There is no belief apart from repentance. You see, that, that's the order that we see here. It says, repent and believe the good news. The temptation is always to just glibly say, oh, yes, I believe, but it, it's not followed by any kind of change in, in lifestyle. I'll tell you, but when change comes, my the difference. You know, I love this story. It's from the South Pacific way back years ago. In 1789, maybe you've heard of the HMS Bounty. And Captain Bly, and how tough he was, and there were a bunch of sailors on the ship that decided, you know what, we've had it with Captain Bly, and they mutinied, and they went to a place called Pitcairn Island to enjoy island living. The only problem was it was riotous, it was filled with adultery, it was filled with violence, and all kinds of stuff, and there were attacks and wars, and 
all kinds of diseases and all of those mutinous sailors except one died in the coming 10 years. There was a fellow by the name of Alexander Smith. He was and somehow he got a hold of a Bible and he started reading that Bible and, and, and let, me, let me just have him tell you the rest of the story. I quote, when I came to life in Jesus, my heart began to open like doors swinging. Once I was sure God was a loving and merciful Father to them that repent, it seemed to me that I could feel His very presence, and I grew more and more sure every day of His guiding hand. You know what Alexander Smith did? He started becoming a preacher to all those islanders. He started telling them about what Jesus had done in his life and all of the great things that happened. And lo and behold, in 1808, when the British finally caught up with that mutineer, they couldn't believe it when they came on to Pitcairn Island. What did they find? They found decency. They found order. They found morality. They found a society that had been totally turned around. Why? Because one man, Alexander Smith, decided to repent and believe. And Pitcairn Island became synonymous with piety back in the 19th century. Why? Again, one man decided to change his mind about Jesus. What am I talking to you about here this morning? I, I'm talking about more than just I'm Larry Hall and you are whatever your name is. I'm talking about a state of being. Do you know who you really are? Well, I could go from Pitcairn Island to get a lot more personal. I, I remember a time in my life when I was a young teenager and I remember a night, uh, uh, an afternoon that my dad called me upstairs. He called me upstairs and he said, Larry, he said, your mother and I want to talk to you about something. And so I came upstairs and I sat down on the edge of the bed and mom and dad were standing there and they handed me my shirt that had just come out of the laundry. I thought, well, that's kind of strange. This is kind of nice of mom and dad handing me my shirt. And he handed me my shirt for a reason. He said, Larry, I want you to reach into the shirt pocket. And I reached into the shirt pocket, and I felt what was inside that pocket, and I realized, you know what, I don't want to even bring this thing out. But I did, and it was a cigarette in my pocket. Now, that's not the way I was raised, you know, and I was doing a lot of hiding behind my parents and doing a lot of really stupid stuff. Have you ever tried to be in a house full of non-smokers and you're out messing around with the crowd and you're walking in as a young teenager and you think you're fooling your parents? Man, my dad had me nailed with that thing. One of my friends put that in my pocket. I know he did. And I'm telling you, I pulled that thing out and all of a sudden everything started hitting me. Man, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. Two weeks later, I was caught again doing stuff with the crowd that I knew better than I ought to be doing. What did Larry Hall need to do back in those days? I needed to repent. I needed to change my mind about what was really important in my life. I remember a number of years later, my sister Beverly 
she came up to me. We were in about the same grade in high school, and she looks at me and she goes, you know what? Ever since you became a Christian, you've become a better student at school. And you know what she meant by that? I remember my whole sophomore year in high school, I cheated my way through high school. I saw the other guys doing it. Man, they were looking off of other people's papers when the teacher had their back turned. They, man, there's just all kinds of stuff going on. And I remember cheating my way through the whole sophomore year in high school. But that summer, at a Nazarene camp meeting, Jesus got a hold of my heart. Jesus said, you know what, Larry? You've got to change your mind about a lot of this stuff. It's time to turn from sin. It's time, to, it's time to start really believing in me. You know that stuff your dad's been preaching about and you know all that stuff that's been going on in the church? You need to part, be a part of that and not that crowd out there. And thank the Lord that somehow by His grace at a camp meeting altar, somewhere along an altar, I said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me from now on out to live a different life. You know what? I became a better student. I didn't have to have my parents rifling through my clothes to see what they could find. You know, one of the things that I remember my dad said that, that day up there in the bedroom when they handed me my shirt and said, reach into the pocket. One of the things my dad said to me that, that still just gets to me when I think about it, my dad looked at me. It would have been easier if he had whipped me. You know what he said? He said, it's getting to the point, Larry, where your mother and I, we're not sure we can trust you. Wow. You, you talk about something the Holy Spirit used, and man, that really began to make a difference in my life because I'm the kind of, I want to be trusted. Well, you know, I can fast forward to right now. Can, can I say something to you here today? And this, this is not easy. Matter of fact, I, I've been, at this very moment, I've just been back and forth on this week, but I can just feel the Holy Spirit's thumb in my back to share something with you. Do you realize that there's room for repentance in the life of a Spirit-filled Christian? You know that, don't you? And so maybe you can relate to what I'm about to say. I am, a, I am just by nature a very anxious type of personality. I'm probably, if you could go to, you know, they have all those personality things that you can take where you'd find me to be very empathetic and very this and that and the other thing. And so I'm by nature just a very anxious type of person. I, I, can, I can look at a task and a job and say, man, I take personal responsibility and I want to get that taken care of. But do you know a strength can also become a weakness? And sometimes anxiety can turn into worry. I remember when I was a little kid, somebody coming up to me. I was staying with some folks in the church, and I forget, I, I was worried and bothered about something. And finally, this, this is the first time I ever heard this. She looked at me and she says, My, Larry, you really are a precious little worry wart, aren't you? And when she said that, I thought, what's a worry wart? And I went to my parents, and they told me, and I found out the definition of it since then by just watching my life from time to the time but you know what that kind of personality can lead to things like outworkings like impatience you know what I'm talking about vexation I've always wanted to use that word vexation 
I'm not sure of the total definition, but, but I think it's a sign of someone who's an anxious personality. Sometimes it can lead to unkind words. If I had a, a dollar for every time I, over the years, apologized to my daughters and to Carol, I'd be a rich man right now. <laughs> unkind words. Emotional. And then uh, also that look. Uh, the people who love me the most say, boy, when you get there, we can always tell when you're there because you have that look, you know, whatever that may be. Emotional. Saying and doing things that you regret and you know it's really not you. Oh, here's a good one. Expecting everyone and, and everything to follow my schedule. And guess what happens if anyone or anything gets in the way of the schedule? I react. Oh, my goodness, the day's falling apart. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about here today? Sometimes, uh, and you, know what, you know what's really interesting about this? It's... It's not in the big things. I can think of some big things that over the years have happened in my life, and it might be a really tough type of situation, and I just go through it just smooth as silk. But sometimes it's just the little things that make me forget. Listen very carefully. It's the little things that make me forget who I really am. The little things. And I got to tell you something. God is really dealing with me about this. I was telling Carol the other day, I said, Carol, I need to have you pray for me. And I told her, I said, I, I, I'm really thinking about talking to these good people here because I think they're the kind of people that can really help pray me through this and help me really change in this area of my life. I'm thankful that I have a, a wife who's a prayer warrior. Man, she's praying for me this morning. And, and, and she's she looked at me the other day and said, Larry, I know what you're talking about, and let me pray for you. You know, one of the, one of the biggest temptations when, when you're standing here and you're just kind of talking about these kind of things is, you, you know what, there's really no need to change because, hey, matter of fact, this is just who I am. This is just who I am. And, and how I'm wired together. And yet, that kind of rings hollow, doesn't it? The other day we were at Wendy's with, I was at Wendy's with a couple of our grandchildren and our little three-year-old granddaughter by the name of Gabby, she was making friends with a little four-year-old by the name of Jojo. And Jojo was all excited and, she, and Jojo and Gabby were playing together. And I noticed Jojo, she was really into asking people what, how old they are. She says, I'm four years old. How old are you? Well, eventually, she got around to me, Jojo. She looked up at me, and she says, how old are you? And I looked down at her, and I said, 64. And she goes, 
you're older than my dad. I said, yeah, I'm older than your dad. And I said, how old's your dad? She says, I forget. I'll ask mommy. And she runs over and she asks mommy and she comes back. She looks up at me and she says, he's 38. And I said, yeah, that's a little younger than I am. So what am I saying today? Whether you're four years old or 38 years old or 64 or whatever it may be today, we never outgrow. We never get to the point where we earn the right to say, ah, that's just the way I am. And I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit's just really busting me over that right now. He's saying, Larry, don't ever get to the point where you just say, oh, that's just who I am. Because you know what? We're called to be increasingly Christ-like. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One thing about fruit, it takes time to grow. It takes time to ripen. And there may be some area in your life that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about as we head into this walk together. And he's saying, you know what? It's time to change. It's time to grow in that area of your life. <laughs> but what would people think if I fess up? You know, the only people that really count are the people who say, how can I help? How can I help? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Here's how you can help me today. Uh, you know what we're going to do right here today? We're gonna, we are going to we're, we're gonna start a 3C club. And you say, what's a 3C club? The 3C club is cool, calm, and collected. How's that? Does that sound really spiritual? Cool, calm, and collected. Could you join with me in the cool, calm, and collected club? And what we're going to do is, and I'm going to be a little selfish here for a moment, but I, I need you to encourage me here this morning. So this is one section right here, these, these two sets of pews here. One, two, three, four. Um, what, I, what I want you to do is, see, this is audience congregation participation here but what I need you to do is this section look at me and say Larry stay cool okay Larry stay calm Larry stay collected or we're going to smack you down I won't turn my back on this section, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no, here's how it really goes. Stay cool. Stay calm. Stay collected. Remember and change. With the help of the Holy Spirit, Ask him to help you to remember who you are. Isn't it interesting that uh, the better part of two years ago now, I was thinking about retirement from ministry. And guess what? He's still working on me. 
he's still saying, Larry, there's some rough edges that, that need to be smoothed off. And, uh, and I have to be willing to say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. What, what, was, the, what was the special here this morning? Oh, listen to this. Here it is. How timely. Lord, keep us in your will so we won't be in your way. And this is exactly what we're talking about here this morning. Here, here it is. Those pieces of paper. It was a, it was a tear. It was, like a, it was like a tear in the sky. And all of a sudden, the vast distance between the throne room of heaven and earth was somehow brought together and, and and I guess my desire for this service this morning would be this if somehow the Lord would once again just rip open the heaven and talk to his people maybe he is uh, I know that he is because I know he's talking to me and he may be talking to you as well. I'll tell you, there's a prayer that I can't get away from. I, I memorized it a long time ago. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Here's the heart of it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. My anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. There was a hymn writer who a number of years ago with this very, very same attitude penned these words. I can almost picture this hymn writer on her knees as she wrote these words. Just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come Lord we're a church that's on a walk together and we know that uh, you have reminded us again in your word that here it is. If we could say that we truly believe, uh, there's repentance in the midst of it all. And Lord, I'm thankful that for the times that your Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of my heart. From the moment that I gave my heart to you, it's all because of you and your striving in my life all the way down to the issue shared here this morning. I'm thankful that you're still working on me. Lord, Lord, I, I wrote it down this week. Lord, I, I, just, I just want it to be so. And Lord, I pray it'll be so for everyone in this congregation. I want to be a winsome witness for Jesus all the time. 
especially those who love me most. I want people to feel safe around me all the time, to want to be with me. I, I want to be a beloved child of God, redeemed and still being renovated by grace. Lord, I pray that that would be our desire. Lord, please continue to work. We don't want to frustrate you in any way. Lord, I'm praying that you'll help us clear down to the core of our very being in these days. Touch this church. Touch these precious people. Oh, Lord, there's a community out there that needs a church that's on fire for Jesus. Remind us, Lord, if there's business to be done, that we'll be open to you just as we are so that we can really know who we really are. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand together and we're just going to sing this response hymn together. I, I love this. It's the key to so much joy and victory in Jesus. And as was mentioned earlier, the altar is always open and you're welcome to come if Jesus is talking to you and you'd like to pray before we leave. Let's sing together.